Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, I, again, I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation. It says, My brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an ex expert trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into glory. He says, none of the rulers of this present world order understood it, for if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord shining glory. This is why the scripture says, things never discovered or heard, uh, heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. He said, I have something great in store for all the people that love me. He said, and of course, in the King James, it says, I have not heard and uh, I have not seen and ear have not heard. But God says, I have this wonderful things that I have held back, kept secret. He said, I had them all just for you. And he said, the way you discover those things is through the Holy Spirit, because he's going to reveal those things that I have prepared for you. But again, he's talking about people that love him, respond to his love by loving him. Amen. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. Uh, well, in that particular verse, in 9 especially, uh, same chapter 9 especially, is him talking again about a love and an exchange. Because on Sunday we talked about there being a language that we have. Uh, a language that uh, we're supposed to use in the body of Christ, speaking spiritual language. We talked about the fact that uh, if you lead, read further down in this particular passage of scripture, it talks about the fact that a natural person don't understand. They don't, they don't, they don't, it, it's not clear to them. What we do doesn't make any sense. The words we speak, ourselves being positive in a seemingly negative situation. We're, we're saying things like, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And they don't understand that language, but you understand that language. It makes plenty, how many of that makes plenty of sense to you? When we say, you know, we're going to pray for people, we're going to lay hands on the sick and we're going to see them recover, people come up because it's a spiritual language. They don't understand what you're talking about. What do you mean? What's your hand got to do with you putting it on a person and they getting healed? And even when they witness a miracle, 
they try to dumb it down. It's almost like, you know what? Something, something wonderful happened. Something different happened. But don't think this is normal. But for the believer, it's supposed to be normal. Because that's the kind of language we speak. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Remember, he says, I've prepared some things for those who love me. Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse 9. And we'll look at this in uh, our King James Version of the Bible. He says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. God said that just because you may be going through a challenge or it seems like it's taking a length of time for you, he said, don't get weary. He said, I have those things. They don't go away uh, and they are not overshadowed by challenges you may have or by time. He said, they still, they're still waiting for you. They still, they still are yet to be discovered. They still are yet to be revealed and open to you. He said, so don't get weary. Don't, don't let anything, anything cause you to lose your focus on the things that I have prepared for you, things that your eye has never seen and your ear has never heard of. He said, happening in your life. So don't grow weary in well-doing. Let's look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we're going to start at verse 10, and we're going to read this uh, out of the Passion Bible. I haven't looked around me. Do they have that up? Yes, amen. No, they don't. Someone said yes. No. Oh, okay. Well, you have your Bibles, right? Yes. John chapter 15, (laughs) verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will live in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. He said, my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overwhelming gladness. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices life for his friend. So Jesus is talking about a love that he and the father had going on. He's talking about, you know, this love that we have between each other, uh, is a special type of love. It's a love, he said, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not afraid that what the Father says to me, I'm not afraid it's not going to happen because I understand his love towards me and I love him. So whatever I say, so Jesus went about, remember he was a man, but Jesus went about uh, saying things. He says, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do things I see the father do. And Jesus wasn't, he, it, didn't, it didn't bother him because I'm thinking about the account where it says that they wanted to push him over a cliff. Well, Jesus turns around. Now, how he did this, I don't know. But he knew it wasn't his time to go. So it says that he turned around and walked back through the crowd. 
But Jesus knew that the father loved him and he knew it was not his time to go. There was work to be done. He knew God had told him to do some things and his, his, his last days on the earth was not falling off a cliff. He knew he came to be crucified. So he says, the father loves me and I love the father and we got this communion going on. It's such a tight communion. He said, you need to learn to love like that. And he says, and how you express that love is you express it to one another. He said, if you love me, and many of us, how many of you believe you love Jesus? Amen, Amen. you love Jesus. He said, if you believe me, he said, and you, he said, then you'll, you'll, and if you love me, he said, you'll keep my commandments. Then he wasn't, I mean, he didn't give us, he said, you'll keep my commandment. Somebody say, mint. No S. No S. And he said, love one another. He said, love one another. His desire was that our love for each other would be the same kind of love that he and his father had. And then he wanted our love to be uh, towards him and he towards us the same way the father was. So we have this love thing going on in the body of Christ. At least we're supposed to have this love thing going on in the body of Christ. Look at somebody next to you said, you know, I love you. Well, you know, in First John, they says that people will know us by our love for one another. Not just know us by our love. It says they will know us by our love for one another. Look at the person on the other side. Say, you know I love you. See, God, Jesus said, you know what? He says, you're loving like I love and, and, and because you know I love you and you love me. So that make you love the person next to you. Look at him again and say, you know I love you. <laughs> that was his that was his desire. That was his desire is that we love one another. As believers, we're supposed to love one another. And he said he wanted us to abide. He said, abide in my love. He said, live in my love. When I think abide, you just hang out in his love. You just walla all around in his love. You know, it's just like I get up in the morning. Oh, I know God loves me. I know God loves me. Jesus loves me. And because he loves me and he's got this, this, this really intense love towards me and I love him, surely he's going to do exactly what he says because there's nothing to hinder God from keeping his word. There's nothing, there's nothing that will hinder God from expressing his love towards us. So he said, don't be weary in well-doing, just keep doing well. Because you're going to reap, I promise you, you're going to get everything that I promise you. Hallelujah. He said, it's just, it's just this love connection. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. So he says, don't, don't give up. He said, I'm just, he said, I just want your love to be tight for each other as mine and the father's is for each other. And I, in turn, I want my love. Jesus said, I want my love and your love to be, be tight because when you have a strong love like that, that means you don't doubt. That means you, you believe, you believe the person that you believe you love. You believe, you believe at 14 years old, this little boy is going to marry you because you're so in love. 
and your parents can tell you whatever they want to tell you. They can tell you it's not real love. They can tell you that this is just one of many people you're going to have this type of feeling about. They can tell you whatever, but they will, you, I don't know, they probably, well, they don't do it now because they got Facebook and all this other stuff, but some of y'all know, you write on, on your notebooks, remember when you was in high school, and you draw all the little hearts on your little notebook, and you put your name in, you put his name in, and in kindergarten you pass them little notes, do you love me, yes, no, maybe. <laughs> Don't let them say yes, because now <laughs> you can't even do your work because they said they love you, and you believe them, and no matter what anybody said to you, am I correct? You were moved by that love. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And let's look at verse 36. Oh, I tell you. Innocent love. <laughs> let's look at it in the King James Version. Because he encourages again, Paul says, For you have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. He said, you have need of patience. He said, because you're going to receive the promise. You're going to receive everything that I'm offering you. You're, gonna, you're going to receive it. Just, you know, exercise a little patience. You know, uh, when Greg and I first got married, we couldn't afford, you know, well, we could afford a diamond, but, and this is, this is just with Deborah. I was like, but see, Greg, I don't want a diamond that when I show it to my friends, they had to pull out their magnifying glass to see it. <laughs> so let us get a very nice band. Let's get a very nice band. And again, I'm, everybody has what they, right, okay, everybody has what they want or a standard or whatever. But then as time went on, you know, being patient, staying married. My rings just started, the diamonds just started to, first diamond appeared. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then they just progressively got bigger and bigger. And then they got many because I didn't want anything bigger because my fingers are small. I mean, but I wanted it big enough so you could see it from the platform. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> But exercising patience, <laughs> things kept progressing. As I was patient, as resources came in, you know, it's like, no, when I get the ring, I don't want it to be a bill because I'm not figuring it's coming from you, not really, if both of our funds. Again, this is just Deborah's philosophy. If both of our funds are paid, then you didn't give it to me. I kind of sort of... <laughs> So, I kind of need for you to put something to the side, some of your money to the side, and when you can do better, then we'll do better. Yeah. Yeah, so God is saying, you have need of patience. I could have tried to place a demand that I have something that would have come to me 
doing patient times uh, and then cause a real big hiccup. But that's what God says. He said, you know, some of the things that I have in store for you, I can't give them to you now or you shouldn't have them now. You know, because think about it. We believe God for, and we're just talking about material things, but you believe you, your, your children probably would like to have a very nice size house. But why would God give a seven-year-old a four-bedroom house now? You understand what I'm saying? That would be kind of ridiculous, don't you think? Amen. But that's what he says. He says, you have need of patience. He said, I'm going to do what I promised you that I'm going to do. <laughs> Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse, we're going to look at verse 29. And let us look at this uh, in the uh, NIV, New International Version of the Bible. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. Now, let me just interject this concerning him and sparrows, because, you know, Jesus used examples that people could understand in the time that he was living in. A sparrow was the most inexpensive bird you could buy. That's why he said a penny. It was very inexpensive. And so he says here again, are, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. He says something that's worth a penny. You can get two of them for a penny. He said even that sparrow, he said, don't, don't fall to the ground without my knowledge without my knowing, without my caring. I know. And then he goes on to say, uh, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God said there's nothing insignificant in the kingdom of God. There's nothing insignificant, no matter how small or how inexpensive it may seem to you. He said, I am watching over it. I I'm looking at it. Nothing happens that I'm, don't, I'm not aware of. And then he says, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He said, if I'm going to look after something that people call worthless, he said, and I'm telling you that I treasured you and I sent my son to die for you. He says, don't you understand that if I'm concerned about that or there are flowers, think about it, there are flowers that people never see. There are beautiful things that's growing out in the forest that some people will never go to even look at. But God sees it, and it grows up, and it flourishes, and it's beautiful, and people may not, a lot of people may not ever see it, but God cared. And that's why he's, that's the point that Jesus is getting over to us. He said, listen, if I am concerned about the number of hairs on your head, and see, some of us, you know, you comb your hair and it kind of falls out and breaks off and, and you know, it just grows back and, and, and we do all kinds of stuff to it. We color it, we, we grow afros, we change the texture of it, we cut it off, and we just treat it just like, hey, it'll grow back. If not, I'll just buy some more. And, you know, it's just like, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But God is saying, I know that is hair number 254. He said, I'm just 
that meticulous about everything that I created and everything that I made. And I'm telling you, I created you in my own image. Don't you understand that I truly love you to the point that I'm counting the hairs on your head? Something that you don't even think about. Something you don't even give a concern about. He said, but I, I counted them. I, I knew when it fell out. I, I knew when number 119 turned gray. I saw it coming. <laughs> but he says, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whosoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. He's just saying, you know, you need to understand that I care and acknowledge, and I want to, you to acknowledge me because you care. I mean, think about it. If someone says that they love you, but they don't ever want to introduce you to anybody. After a while, you're like, you know what? <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder about this, this love that I can't get introduced to any of your friends. Let's look at Jude. <laughs> Let's look at Jude, verse 21. Jude, verse 21. Actually, let's go up to verse 20. And we're going to read this out of the King James. He said, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. He tells up that we, we build ourselves up, praying in the Holy Ghost. And then he says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So he's, he's, he's saying here, uh, we build ourselves up by praying in the Holy Ghost, but it causes us to come close to God. It causes us to experience God. Uh, uh, on Sunday, we did, after we prayed for people, we stayed in for a moment, the people who had been praying for other people. And we just began to, began to pray in the Holy Ghost, just to enjoy God. God wanted that to be a time of being intimate with us. It was, a, uh, and, I, and I told, uh, I remember telling the band, I said, I'm so happy that you all were able to uh, sense what God was doing and didn't say, well, church is over. We've already prayed for everybody because I dismissed everybody. But we stayed back because God wanted to wanted some good, intimate time with us as well. And we began to pray in the Holy Ghost, and it was so magnificent. It was so wonderful. You couldn't help but be joyous and happy after something like that. Amen. Amen. So he said that builds us up. And then he says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Do you know that's one of the ways you keep yourself in the love of God? And what that means is uh, you always set the love of God before you. That means that you always keep, keep his love constantly in your view. That means that you meditate on it. You meditate on the love of God. It means that you employ your thoughts to it. We need to think about how much God actually loves us. We need to think about it. We need to talk about it. 
We need to encourage each other in it. We need to, we need to make that at the forefront of our thinking. God, I love you so much that you would hear me pray in the morning. Thank you for listening, Father, because the Bible says that if I pray and when I pray, that you hear me. Father, I thank you that you, uh, uh, I, I like to look at it this way, that you adopted us into your family. Thank you, Father, for not leaving the Gentiles out. Thank you for not leaving us out of your covenant. Thank you for offering us a covenant of grace. Thank you, Father, that you sent your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that I have the awesome privilege of coming before your throne boldly. And this is because you love me so much. Father, I thank you that in spite of what I did yesterday or did right before I started talking to you, you still love me and you still have an open ear. Father, I thank you that your love is so vast and so strong and so intense that you, you, you wanted to make a way that I could be forgiven just so that I can approach your throne. Father, I'm grateful for that love because it was love that caused God to do this. It was the th love of God that promoted this salvation that we walk in. It was the love of God that promoted this uh, healing that he says it, that we can have. It was the love of God who said that I'll be with you and I'll never forsake you or I'll be with you even to the end of the world. How many of you know men can say that but stuff can happen and that may not take place. But God says, you know what? That... I don't ever make a promise I cannot keep and I'm unwilling to keep. See, because we can make a promise and something can happen and we may be unwilling to keep it. But God said, I don't make a promise that I'm unwilling to keep. Hallelujah. Now that's some kind of love. That is some kind of love. So we need to make sure again that we keep it ever before us. Amen. Let's look at Genesis chapter 39. We're going to just take a quick look in the NIV. This is a, an account of um, Joseph and how he responded to the love of God. And this, of course, this is when uh, Joseph has gone to Potiphar's house. And it says in the NIV in verse 9, it says, no one is greater in this house than I am. And Joseph is speaking about his position in Potiphar's house. He said, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against who? God. He said, I, I, he, he wasn't really not doing it because of Potiphar. He was doing it because of God. He said, how can I do this? How can I do this wicked thing? Because of this relationship I have with God. You know, the scriptures also talks about that the love of God constrains us. Our love for God keeps us from doing things that we ought not to do if we allow it. But if we don't ever meditate on it, if we don't ever just think about it. And sometimes we may think, well, man, you know what? I, I know I love God. He loves me. He knows that. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we can take the love of God for granted or even like happens in some relationships, you know, uh, you know, God, I went to church. You know, God, you know what? I, I did, I did give something to the poor. Well, you know, God, but you never, 
really think about his love. You never talk about his love. You never meditate on his love. You never, and when, and when you're doing things, you don't think about how much God actually loves you. Because as we, as we uh, not, not increase in knowledge of his love, but as we start to walk in his love, as we become aware of his love, and we start expressing our love towards God, that takes care of a lot of anxiety yes. and stress yes. because you know, because I love God, and more importantly, because he loves me, all things are working for my good. All things are gonna turn out for my good because of this love that God has for me. Amen. Amen. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 5. And again, I do like the way it says it in the Passion Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, now may the love, excuse me, now may the Lord move your hearts into a greater understanding of God's pure love for you and into Christ's steadfast endurance. He said, may the Lord move your hearts, I like that, into a greater understanding of God's pure love, God's pure love. Paul talks about it in the book of Ephesians, about this intense love that God has for us. Let's just quickly look over there. I think we have time. Um, Ephesians. Let's look at, I think it is chapter... And this, uh, I, I, I love this. I'm going to start at verse 14 because I just like how all of this reads because God is just, he is just so good. <laughs> he says um, in verse 14, for this reason, I'm reading out of the Amplified, for this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan about which you are built together in Christ, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father from whom all the fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself, indwelling your innermost being and personality. He said, and may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. He said, founded securely on love. We're supposed to be secure in God's love for us. That's why it's not what we do, it's not our doing that causes God to love us. 
but God wants our doing to be a response to his intense love towards us. So he says, so I want you to be founded securely on love. Meaning that I want you to depend on my love to help you. Depend on my love to heal you. Depend on my love to prosper you. Depend on my love to deliver you. Depend on my love to give you the peace that I said I was going to leave with you. This is what Jesus left with. He said, I want you to depend on my love for you to grant you all that I have promised to you. That's why he tells us in Jude, keep yourself built up in his love. Think about his love. Meditate on his love. Focus on his love. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He says again in verse 17, and may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that you may have the power. Listen to what he says, what happens. He said that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth, the length and height and depth of it? Paul was so serious about what he was praying. He said, you got to know that God loves you. And sometimes we read, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the point where it, we become numb towards it because we memorize it. We know it. They teach it to us. They teach it to people who saved, unsaved. Everybody just know. You know, there's some some scriptures that people just know, like Jesus, Jesus wept. Probably every heathen know Jesus wept. And every unsaved man that uh, knows that the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. Even though they don't know the understanding. It's almost like they came out at birth, they popped them, they yelled, they say, now son, listen to this. <laughs> Wives are supposed to put themselves to you. <laughs> but nonetheless, he said that we need to be founded and, and, and be secure in God's love. You need to be secure in God's love so that your hope, your expectations is not in what you do. But because God loves you, it's why he's going to do it for you. That's right. And for us not to get weary thinking he's not going to carry out his word, he is going to do it because he promised that he would. Amen. Amen. But he says he wants us to know. And when I read the breadth, the depth, the height of his love, I'm like, oh, my God, that is some intense stuff that I mean, Paul is saying, you know, you need to come to know this. Be settled in this. Be secure in this. Understand that if nobody else like you, I, God said, I do like you. Not only do I love you, but I like you, and I don't have anything against you. And if you stood before me now, I wouldn't go down a list of stuff that you did and you didn't do and what I didn't like about this and how I didn't care about you saying that. He said, I'm not going to do that. He said, because my love for you was so strong that I was willing to send my son to die just so I wouldn't even have to consider your sin. <laughs> he said, so I wouldn't even have to consider it. I wouldn't have to think about it. And it would never hinder my being gracious to you. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. And, you know, I, I think about it. God is so sure of his love to transform our lives so sure of it that he's like, you know what? I'm not even considering your sin. 
I know once you find out how intense this love is towards you, it's going to change everything about you. It's going to cause your heart to change. It's going to cause you to see things differently. I like to, you know how I like to do the real stuff. When you think you love somebody, you really believe that you love somebody, you know your behavior changed. How many have ever thought they love someone and you start changing? Oh, 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 come on. Oh, oh, yeah, right. All I need to do is talk to some of your friends that used to be your friends. <laughs> so God says, you know what? You come to know my love for you, I ain't got to worry about the other man or the other woman or another God. I don't have to be concerned about that. So I'm interested in you knowing how much I love you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let us look at, I, I wanted to read that to you in the Passion Bible. Did I read it to you in the Passion Bible? Y'all sure? Y'all just like this. Yes, I did. I just read it to you. You want me to read it again? Now may the Lord move. <laughs> Oh, that's in Thessalonians. I didn't read Ephesians. I didn't have that in. I didn't have that in my notes. I mean, I could go to it, but let's just go to our last scripture, Second uh, Corinthians chapter thirteen. I, I, I like the way this scripture just sounds. <laughs> Before I knew what it meant, I just liked the way it sounds. I know that sounds. I just like the way it sounds. It just sounds like it was great to me. Uh, <laughs> Let's read this out of the, uh, we can read it out of the King James Version. It's, it's good. I got everything popping up here except for the King James. Okay. Verse 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. He says, Amen. He's wanting us to understand the grace of God and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit. You know what? That's, that's so important. That scripture is very important in the fact that it encompasses uh, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and the fact that we need to commune with all three, that we need to commune with all three because it was Jesus Christ who brought in the grace, the favor of God, the unmerited favor of God, and then it was the love of God, the love of God that calls or moved God to send someone for our salvation. And salvation doesn't mean just going to heaven, you know that. Salvation is a totality of uh, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. Uh, that's just another way to say it. But God is concerned about everything that concerns us, anything that, that's necessary for life. God's love moved in, and then he says, and the communion of the Holy Ghost 
meaning that we have to commune. We have to talk to the Holy Ghost. On Sunday, we talked about how imperative it is that we get with our help. The person that Jesus Christ said, I'm going to ask the Father to send you help. And then for us to ignore the help, how do you think we're going to succeed? How, will, how do you think we're going to ever know? Uh, in Corinthians, we just read also concerning the fact that these things are revealed to us by way of the Holy Spirit and that they are mysteries, not hidden from us, but hidden for us. So therefore, us encompassing all of these things, speaking what I call heavenly language, speaking spiritual language. We agree with what the word of God says concerning us. We do it the way God says that we ought to do it. He says, I will give you help. He said, I'll give you a comforter. He said that you are to go to the comforter because he knows what I'm thinking. For those of you who are on Sunday, he says that, that the Holy Ghost digs around in God because he's the only one who knows the mind of God. He's the one who knows the mind of God. He says, you, you don't know how to pray for things as you ought to pray for them. He said, but I, I, can, I can do that for you. I can come along beside you and I can help you to pray the right things. He said, then I can dig around all into God. I can come back with a report and deliver to you everything that God wants you to have. He said, because I, 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 can, I, can, I can read the mind of God. You know, you, you know, we can't. We can't, not without the Holy Spirit. We can't, because only, only the spirit of a man knows what's actually in a man. And it says in uh, Romans, he says, so too. That's the way it is with the Holy Ghost and God. The Holy Ghost is the only one who knows what God is thinking knows what God uh, sees. And he says, so it's important, again, that we know about the grace of Jesus Christ, the favor of God that's come to us. It's important that we know that God did all of this because he simply loved us. It's important that we understand that we have to commune with the Holy Spirit in order for us to receive everything that God has planned for each of us individually, amen. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.